We are live. Good evening and welcome to Chasing Prophecy on FM 105.3 and 107.7 in New Orleans, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. I'm Jenny Nicasio along with my fabulous co-host, oh, <laughs> Sean Kelly from Pittsburgh huh? Paranormal. Yeah, how are you? Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, I got my red on. <laughs> I see that. I see you got your red. And did you make got any cookies? Did I what? Did you make any cookies for the grandbabies? They're too little, but I did oh. get some stuffed animals and stuff to play with, you know. But um, yeah, and my little Ava, she's so jealous. It's it's sad. Poor poor Ava. She she's a little sad person, so we are, she's not a person. She's my person. She's my little doggy. <laughs> yeah, Ava. How old yeah. is she now? Uh, she's going to be 10. 10. Wow. Yeah, 10. Uh, I know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to meet her down the dark. Alley. Man, she'd be no, you won't. You won't want to meet Ava. She's a... Uh... No, she's no, a German no. shepherd, but she, she's not real friendly. I mean, she could be friendly, but she's not very friendly. Well, heck, I love her. oh, of course, you love her. It's your dog, but yeah. I heard her bark. That's all I need to do is hear her <laughs> bark. And I'm like, nah, yeah, well, I have she, a question to ask you. Sure, yes, away, buddy. You, you sent me that link about the 10 weird things about Valentine's Day, right? Mm -hmm. Do women actually send them? themselves their own flowers and well, cards sean i went out you know that song with uh miley sars <laughs> come on you know the song you hear it on tiktok all the time oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i can buy my own flowers oh, i can her? dance in the nude <laughs> okay okay so is that true though yeah is it true yeah I, I bought myself flowers today uh -huh. I'm trying to fix my uh, little um, camera that's too low, too high. I can't tell which one it is. Now I'm too short. I can't. I can't win. I, I I'm like, I'm like. Uh, what's that called when you're hyperactive? Hyperactive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hyper. I I think I. Oh, calm down, down, guys. Yeah, relax, 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 relax. But well, we had an interesting week, mm. to say the least, guys. So um. If you have any comments or chat um, questions for our guests tonight, please post in the um, chat on YouTube because we usually we can't really see them um, on Facebook. So if you're on um, YouTube, please post there. If you have any questions for our guests tonight and for any of, you know, for us, 
Um, it's going to be a pretty interesting evening, to say the least, with all the stuff that's happening over uh, the skies and some things in Ohio that may be a false flag for all this stuff. So um, we're just going to cut to the chase and get right to our guest tonight. Um, we have a special guest that's been on the show, I believe, three times, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, we have Stan Gordon in the house again, and he was a he was trained as an electronics technician who specialized in radio communication. Um, he's worked in advanced compute com consumer electronics sales field for over forty years. Uh, Stan had lived in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, um, all his life, and he began his interest in the UFO field. Uh, subject and strange incidents at the age of 10 years old in 1959. That's pretty cool. And in late 1960s, he acted as a telephone UFO operator. Wow, that's cool. For sightings and reports and investigations coordinator um, for the UFO Research Institute of Pittsburgh. I didn't even know they had a uh, research um, <laughs> institute in Pittsburgh. But Sam began the field investigations of UFOs and other mysterious events in 1965, which is pretty cool. And he's primary investigator of the December 9th, 1965 UFO crash recovery incidents that occurred near Kecksburg. I and mean, a lot of us, have, we've done shows on Kecksburg before in the past, and we had some tried to debunk that. Um, John Ventry is one of the guys who tried to <laughs> debunk that. Um, Gordon established a UFO hotline, which I think is awesome. And I think we should have more of these for the public to report UFOs sightings um, that he's investigated. And he's been very active. And we're going to um, bring him on. Um, Stan, welcome to Chasing Prophecy. Good to have you back. Hi, so, Stan. How are you? We're doing good. Thanks very much for uh, having me back. Yeah. So, Stan, there's a lot of stuff going on on your website. Um, you've talked a number. Of, you've had a lot of reports. So go ahead and tell us what's going on. Last, last year was just an amazing year. We, we get reports in every year. My hotline's been open since 1969. It never stops ringing. And between evening. Hey, Michael, how are you? I don't know where Jenny went. Um, so good to see you, Michael. Everything just, everybody went off. So, yeah, um, I guess I'll continue doing the show until. But back in uh, well, actually 2021, reports actually began to increase. We began to have a surge of low-level UFO reports coming in from all around the western Pennsylvania, different areas. And actually, it continued right through 2022. I mean, it was just nonstop all year long. And it wasn't just UFO reports. We were getting Bigfoot sightings, um, out-of-place animals like Black Panther reports, uh, Thunderbird sightings, these huge flying creatures. I mean, all kinds of stuff. A lot of UFO activity and many really detailed reports. And that's what was so fascinating was the quality and the detail of the type of reports coming in from widespread areas. But what really caught my interest is something in the UFO field that a lot of people don't seem to know about, that a lot of people don't talk about much, but you're beginning to hear more about it now on some of the TV shows and, and on the Internet. Um, I started realizing about these cases back in the 1960s, all called the mini-UFOs. 
because they're very intriguing in the fact that they're not high in the sky, they're low to the ground, and in some cases have come within feet of witnesses, which has happened several times last year in daylight. And uh, really, really interesting reports that these small objects, they range anywhere from a few inches in diameter, sort of like oversized fireflies. Many of them, however, though, are uh, about the size of uh, a, a golf ball to the size of a baseball, and many around one or two feet in diameter. They're generally spherical, but not always. Most of the time, however, they are spherical. Sometimes they look like solid metallic objects. Most of the time, they look like spheres of bright uh, luminosity, bright light of different colors. What's really intriguing is, over the years, I've had reports of these things uh, following vehicles. I've had reports of them entering people's vehicles and people's homes through open windows, and then generally going back out. Uh, we have one very strange report, and we've heard others like this too, but I'll tell you about the few minutes of one that reportedly actually appeared inside of a person's home. Uh, really intriguing reports. And so if you like, uh, and it might take a little while, but I've got some, I'll give you a highlight of, of just some of the really interesting cases that occurred around the greater Pittsburgh area last year. Awesome. Go ahead and give us some of those reports. And well, this will take a little bit. So starting back in January of last year, uh, January 15th of 22, this is up in Armstrong County. So out the rural area, Armstrong County. And you may recall that's when we had uh, a very, one of the really bad deep freeze uh, conditions where a lot of pipes were freezing and breaking. And the, the, the fellow who called me, he uh, was out there around three o'clock, after three o'clock in the morning, he was under his crawl space under his home because he was afraid that he was going to have some damage with his, uh, the pipes under there. While he was under there, he was hearing these strange uh, noises, strange humming sounds from outside, buzzing noises. And the next morning, his neighbor calls him and said, I want to tell you about something really strange I saw on my property, which is right across the road from the fellow called me originally. I interviewed him, and he wanted to tell me that uh, early morning hours, he was awakened by his horses that were very, very shaken by something. So he gets up and he starts walking down to his barn. So he's about 150 feet away and starts approaching the barn when he sees these lights appear over top of the barn. The lights are shining down and then he can see the horses all moving around. But that's when he observed this object about 20 feet over top of the barn itself. He said the object was kind of teardrop shaped, about 65 to 70 feet long, had a smooth silver or metallic surface to it, looked something like stainless or galvanized steel. It was solid and smooth, he said. It was emitting a humming, buzzing noise. He said there were numerous lights on the surface of the object, and they looked to be round. There were approximately eight rows of 20 to 30 lights. The lights would change from a red to blue, then back to red. And he watched this thing hover for about five minutes. Unfortunately, he just walked out of his house. He didn't have a cell phone with him. But he said as he watched this, the lights suddenly went out, everything went dark, and the object just disappeared. He said it did not take off, it did not accelerate, it just vanished. And that's something, by the way, we're hearing a lot from people in the last year, even from daylight reports that I'll be telling you about. But anyhow, we said as soon as this object vanished, all the horses went back to their normal behavior. And then it was about uh, 7 o'clock the same morning that we received another report from the Pennsylvania-West Virginia border. And uh, one of my research associates, Jim Brown, uh, I believe he got there within the hour. 
after it happened. And he's a, a very high-tech guy with a lot of equipment instrumentation. And this was a, a woman who observed this object uh, in the sky. So it's kind of like a, a large dark hole in the sky. And uh, it was just hovering there. She ran to her house to go get a camera. And then something interesting happened when she touched the, uh, the, the metal handle of the door. She got a slight electrical shock, which she never did before. And when she went back out again, she got the same slight electrical shock, like a static charge. And um, anyhow, when she went back outside, the object was gone. But anyhow, wow. it was interesting because we have had several reports now in the last year, year and a half, of people where there were low-level, close-range UFO encounters or people reported getting like a slight static charge. That's kind of interesting. Uh, but that was an interesting morning. Uh, lots of other reports going on all year. I'm just kind of scanning down here with some of the cases that we can talk about some of the other strange ones. And I told you about some of those small spherical objects, uh, small balls of light or small objects on the ground. Here was another interesting one. This was April 6th of last year outside of Shotea, Fayette County. This was around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, so here's a husband and wife. They're outside. Uh, digging in their garden, uh, digging topsoil, they had a wheelbarrow with them. And as they're looking about 50 feet away, they see this small object. They thought at first it was a model of a balloon. It's silver and circular and about two feet diameter. And as they're watching this thing, it gets closer and closer to them. And as it gets closer, it gets much more luminous. It's brighter and brighter. And they realize this thing is not a balloon. So what happens next is really intriguing. So as they're watching this thing, it gets close to them. It was like a little, like a little explosion. They said it was like a small lightning bolt shot from the object to the ground, and it sounded like a small firecracker followed by a snap, like a spark. The spark started a small fire uh, in the ground, which they immediately put out. And they looked down where the thing had come from, and there was another small fire about 100 feet away along the path. So interestingly, uh, Jim Brown gets on the scene. He got there very quickly too. He figured, well, if the firecracker or the mylar balloon that broke up and exploded, there'd be a lot of residue there. There was absolutely no residue of any type on the scene. And he checked for all types of electrical connections. He, he checked the fence out. And it's, just, it's one of these cases that make you scratch your head. It's just one of many that were very, very intriguing. Uh, April 14th of last year, in the afternoon, and I, I did not put out the description about this object because I wanted to see if we'd receive other reports, and we did. There were other independent reports from uh, just outside of uh, Ligonier during the afternoon of this huge metallic object. Solid-looking, about the length. Some people said it may have been as big as the football field. It was flat at the top of the bottom. There were rows of lights on it. One witness told me that it was so bright, looking at it, she had to look away because of her eyes. So that was kind of interesting. Um, there's another area that uh, some very strange activity has been going on. There, there are several areas we know about uh, in Pennsylvania, some we've known for years. These are certain geographical locations where there's a history of various phenomena ongoing. So we're hearing reports of screams and howls and footprints, and in some cases, Bigfoot encounters or other strange phenomena, strange light, and these balls of light. And uh, last year in April, up in that area, uh, some of the investigators were seeing strange flashes of light, lights in the woods, hearing howls and screams, something heavy walking. 
And that evening, several of these researchers, who I can tell you were skeptical of hearing the report that I, some of these I had discussed in the past of these small balls of light, in some cases, in some different areas of that location of those woods, these small spheres of light were coming up very, very close to them. And I can tell you, these guys were very shaken by what happened. And luckily, um, one of the, uh, one of the um, documentary companies happened to be there doing a documentary on it, and they were able to videotape some of this occurrence. So that's really intriguing as well. Uh, there have been multiple reports. Last year, uh, in daylight, of large metallic kind of cigar-shaped objects, cylindrical objects, and quite often in, in beautiful afternoons, not that high altitude, just hovering there and just suddenly just vanishing. Not accelerating, not taking off, just suddenly vanishing from sight. So that's something we heard from numerous people in different areas as well. And I'm, I'm just trying to go through here through some of Oh, also, if they go to my website, they, uh, your listeners could take a look at the uh, picture of it. Uh, website, stangordon.info. But on May 14th, uh, quite an interesting photograph was taken of an object over the Chestnut Ridge outside of Trobe. So the Chestnut Ridge is one of those areas that uh, has a long history of, of various types of anomalies going on. I've been up there since the 60s, uh, late 60s, uh, checking in those reports. And as we found out historically and year after year, that area is one of the most active along areas of that ridge. Uh, that goes through Westmoreland, Indiana County, in southwest Pennsylvania, extends down to a few miles outside of Morgantown, West Virginia, into Preston County, West Virginia. And um, that area outside of Lake Trobe, around Derry, and going up through the Laurel Highlands, very active year after year. A lot of activity last year, and I'm already getting reports the last few weeks of activity going on up there now. But that afternoon of May 14th, a fellow happened to be sitting in a parking lot in Lake Trobe looking in that direction towards the east. So I've been looking kind of towards the uh, Ligonier area and over the ridge. What caused attention was this object that appeared to be black. It was moving very slowly. Then suddenly there was a big spurt, uh, burst of speed and it moved out of sight very quickly. But he was able to get one photograph of it. Uh, there was a photo analysis done on it and it's, it's a really interesting picture. It looks like a solid black, upside-down, dome-shaped object with a flat top on it. So that's kind of interesting, too. But, I mean, I can go on and on and on. Uh, let me tell you, though, about a couple of these four reports that are really interesting. Uh, before we go on, Stan, I have a question to ask you. Is it yeah. possible that there is a UFO base up in that area underground? Well, you know, you hear lots of stories over the years of different people, and uh, and again, I have to keep an open mind all possibilities. I've not seen any evidence of it, but one thing it is interesting that for years and years, I've had reports from all over Pennsylvania and a lot of the greater Pittsburgh area and down in the Mon Valley and other areas here in Southwest PA of people saying they're seeing these objects going into the lakes and rivers and sometimes going in the river or lakes and then not coming out. Sometimes they're reporting seeing spheres of white objects coming out of the lakes and rivers going up to the sky. So that's okay. of interest. And if you've been following uh, what the uh, the new government investigation program uh, is all about, they're investigating UFO reports, and they seem to be taking them quite seriously now. But they're also very, very interested in what's called transmedium objects, which are these objects that are appearing 
uh, and not only in the sky, but they're moving in and out of the water as well. So they're moving through space and also into the waterway. So that's something of interest as well. It's pretty interesting stuff. Do you think there's any correlation between what's happening now um, in any of these sightings? No, you talked about all the balloon sightings we heard about in recent, in the last week or so? Yes, but some of them weren't balloons. So balloons shaped or material. Can you, do you think anything's correlated with that? No, you know, I, I think the problem is right now there's a lot of media coverage on it. It's getting a lot of news out there. stuff sean what do you think i'm impressed i'm impressed every time we have stand on um i, I learn more uh that means i'm just going to have to go out to chestnut hill or Carn city or all the way out there and just sit in the in the fields and look up in the sky and see if they come you know what i mean you know where i stand on aliens right then there's ladies and gentlemen this is how i still Sean's not a real, he's not a real believer in them. Uh, I've been on the show four years now, and I, I enjoy when we have our guests on that talk UFOs, aliens, but I have to see it to believe it, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So is there any um, sightings on um, Bigfoot lately or anything like Bigfoot that's different than... Yeah, I can tell you about that. Now for over 63 years, I have never seen a UFO or a Bigfoot. 
Go for it. He said it had no wings and there was no contrail. 
and he got to his vehicle and just moved a short distance down the road to get a better view. And when he got out, he said it was gone. And he said he could not understand how he could not see it in that short period of time. He should have been able to see it leave and it was just gone. That was typical of many reports we received from different people in different areas for months. These large cigar-shaped objects that just vanished, and that was it. So that's just an example. So getting back to Bigfoot, I received Bigfoot reports every year in Pennsylvania, and there were some very significant incidents uh, last year. Let me try to go back to my file. I remember one was up in the up in the Indiana. No, excuse me, went on the. Uh, yeah, on the dairy side of the Chestnut Ridge, which has a long history of many, many Bigfoot sites. And a lot of these are very, very close-range detail reports. So there was one, and this would have been, uh, I believe it was Mother's, Mother's Day afternoon. And um, this person, I'm trying to find this report here. This person uh, was walking her dogs, and, uh, and she's walking along, she said, all of a sudden, all the nature sounds stop. All the birds stop chirping, and uh, that's very common. We had it from a lot of hunters and outdoorsmen that when these creatures are in the area, all the nature sounds stop. The, the birds don't chirp, uh, the frogs aren't making any noise, the insects go quiet. And anyhow, she said, suddenly, the dogs suddenly began to whine and whimper, and they're standing still. She said, suddenly, uh, here comes this huge creature Alvin never looked at her. It was, um, she's estimating, I've heard different estimates, probably at least 30, 40 feet away, not that far away. But she described this thing from head to toe. It was easily seven to eight foot tall, covered with long, dark brown hair and black matted hair. The arms were longer than that of a human and hung down almost to the knees. She said the creature was about, uh, again, about that estimate. And she said there was no sound or smell. And, you know, a lot of people, you hear these stories that every time they see a Bigfoot, they have these terrible rock smells. Yeah. That's inaccurate. Yes, there are many cases where you have the smell, but there are many, many other reports where there's no odor whatsoever. And then uh, there were other reports throughout the year. Uh, there was another case that um, Eric Altman from the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society and some of the other members, myself, went up May 13th. This was on Route 711 up in Fayette County. Fayette County, very active area along the ridge and around the ridge area for Bigfoot sightings, other phenomena. This guy was a, a very reputable witness. I can tell you, we went out to the location where he saw it, and he saw this thing, uh, tall, dark figure, run across the road to the left lane, approximately 100 yards ahead of him. He slowed down and watched as it slowly walked from the left to the right side of the road to the berm, and uh, he got a really good look at this thing, and at one point, I can't remember exactly all the details. Yeah, uh, he was, it was much bigger, much taller than a human, and it was right near a, a speed sign. And he said he could see the, the glowing red eyes of it uh, right a little higher than that speed sign. So that sign was 11 feet in height. So that would have put that thing really, really far over 11 foot. And it's it's rare to get a study of one that big, but I've had some cases where uh, we were able to get a pretty good measurement on height, and there was a, a couple of cases that where the couple of them may have been around 12 feet tall. Most of them range from about 6 to 9 feet tall with a lot of reports, and we've had some reports of smaller ones around 4 to 5 feet tall. That's awful. That's crazy. And then I'll, I'll tell you about, and then there have been other reports all year, 
about a really interesting case that occurred this past November. So this would be up in Indiana County, where there have been reports for years as well. A lot of sightings up there, especially during that massive wave that I investigated with my teams back in different in the morning uh, or is there more in the morning there is in the evening or is it just very question um is there more women or more men is there evil i.e equal like would you say they have witnessed these or seen these you going to say? Okay, so anyhow, <clears throat> if you'd like me, I'll tell you about what, what happened during 19... Yeah, go ahead and tell us what you... Uh, yeah, go ahead and tell us. Okay, so anyhow, you know, back in, back in those days, in, in 1970, I had of my first of three research groups. I was the Westmore County UFO study group. And I have to tell you this because it's part of the bigger story. And um, anyhow, I found that group. It was, these are all volunteer groups. And that group was kind of unique in that most people involved were specialists. 
area. By 1973, we had extended to cover the state of Pennsylvania. And we were just being jammed with reports. And we were really surprised that we were getting reports from the news media, from law enforcement, and reports are coming in on quite a regular basis. So we were really lucky that we were set up. Because 1973 comes around, and first we had the biggest UFO wave ever documented. And this was covered a lot. You better remember 1973. Well, there wasn't cell phones back then. Internet was nothing like it is today. It was just getting started. And so a lot of the local papers, and the statewide papers, even the national papers, were picking up a lot of these reports. And we, there were hundreds and hundreds of UFO reports coming in. And of course, yeah, we were able to explain a lot of the cases. There were misidentifications. But there were many, many very detailed reports. And they were not the slice of the sky. These were large, what appeared to be large, solid objects. Many cases, low to the ground, falling vehicles, hovering over highways, or incidents on the turnpike, or incidents all through the Pittsburgh area. And it was just amazing what we were dealing with. And so we were just really, really busy just trying to, just trying to keep up all these UFO cases. Then in the summer of 1973 is when things got really interesting. That's when we had the biggest outbreak of Bigfoot sightings ever documented. That continued to some of 1974. And many of those Bigfoot sightings were in daylight, many of them at very, very close range. So we're talking, in some cases, 5, 10, 20 feet away from witnesses. In some cases, more than one creature seen together. So back when these things are going on, uh, very commonly, my teams would be on the scene of an incident within minutes and hours after they occurred. And in all type of weather conditions. And of Kent, at that time period, when things just starting, I thought we're dealing with some type of unknown animal. We just mm-hmm. don't know what we're dealing with yet. But then things began to get very, very strange. And you got to remember again, people didn't have any way to communicate like they do today. And they didn't know what other people were reporting. And for example, you know, we would be on the scene of some of these cases in different type of ground conditions. And we see these large, unusual footprints with very large strides between them that would go for a distance and then just suddenly stop. But there should have been more tracks. That also occurred in the snow. And by the way, that's still occurring in recent years, and not only in PA, around the country. And we're all scratching our heads like, there's no way that this could be fabricated. Like, where did these tracks go? Or where did the thing go that made the tracks? And then mm-hmm. things got even stranger and stranger as reports were coming in. Then we began to see a pattern. We have a UFO sighting in a particular area. Within minutes to hours and days later, we'd have a Bigfoot sighting or vice versa. And then we had some of these amazing cases with Bigfoot and UFOs seen together at the same time and place. Now, if you want me to go into detail, I can tell you some really interesting cases. It'll take a little bit of time. But if I'm going to tell you about it, here's something you need to be advised uh, for your listeners. I am not suggesting that Bigfoot is a passenger in a spaceship from another planet, because we don't even know for sure what we're dealing with. I said years and years ago, it's very possible we're dealing with more than one origin to the unknown category of the UFO phenomena, that it's possible that maybe a small number of these reports might be extraterrestrial, that I've seen more and more data now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of cases going on. I wrote about these in the 70s, and now all over the country, you're hearing similar cases. And we're dealing with a phenomena, both with certain new types of UFOs and with Bigfoot, maybe other cryptids that have a physical and a non-physical component to it. That these things 
hear them, they're gone. You hear them, they're gone. They can leave evidence and they're gone. That's why there's no bodies. And even with many of these UFO reports we're getting for years, even in daylight, we sometimes have large solid objects that just suddenly appear out of nowhere. Sometimes it's just hovering and they slowly begin to fade away and disappear. In some cases, they physically change one form into another. There's a lot more to this than any of us understand. Um, if you're just joining us, we have Stan Gordon from Greensburg, Pennsylvania, reporting on some unusual activity that's been happening for the past year. So if you have a question for him, please put it in the comment. Stan, go ahead and tell us some of your um, different uh, cases. Uh, yeah. What really convinced me, and, and I'll, I'll tell you two cases, I'm going to give you the abbreviated version because they're, they're long and they're very involved. I, I wrote about these uh, in my silent invasion book in great detail. But anyhow, here's here's what happened. Here was a case among others that really stands out. It, it's a pretty famous case. This was October 25th, 1973. I remember it very, very well because it was so unusual. And um, there have been many UFO reports coming in on my hotline from around the state during that 24-hour period. It was about 10.30 that night that I got a call from a state trooper from the Uniontown Barracks up in Fayette County. He had just returned from investigating this multiple witness UFO landing up there, and he said to me, he said, there's a good chance there's something still up on the farm. Can you get one of your teams up here right away? So we did. It was already late at night. We got one of our teams together. Uh, we've got our, our radiation monitors. We've got our radios and other equipment. We found our way up to that remote area in Fayette County. What we found out was about 9 o'clock that night, yeah, 15 witnesses observed this barn-sized red ball about 100 feet off the ground hovering and slowly beginning to move downward. And um, it was the farmer's son, who would be the adult in, in this story, that was coming out to visit his family out there in Fayette County. And as he's coming down the farm road, he sees this object in the sky and people standing outside watching this thing. So he slows down. And then he goes to a neighbor's house, which is a better location to get a better view of the pasture area of the farm that his dad had out there. And it looks like this large round sphere is going to land on his dad's farm. So he and these two young neighbor boys are also watching this. They decide they want to go up and see what this thing is. So before going up to the field, they stop over to his dad's farm. And the son, the older fella, grabs a 30 on 6 and a handful of ammunition. And... Um, as they're heading down the farm road, dogs around the area are carrying on. They hear these high-pitched whining noise and these baby crying sounds. And the dog didn't realize that in a handful of ammunition, he had two tracer bullets. So the guys out there in the front, they know that when you fire those tracer bullets, you just got that luminous trajectory as you fire it. Anyhow, as they're getting closer to that area, again, all these sounds are getting louder and louder. They make their way up to the pasture. And when they get up there, they can't believe what they're seeing. About 250 feet away is this huge, maybe 100-foot diameter object on the ground right above it. But it's not a complete sphere now. It's like a half a sphere. It's a big white dome that's illuminating the whole area, making that loud whirling sound. Anyhow, they're standing there watching this thing, and then their eyes are uh, focused on, the attention is drawn to a barbed wire fence about 75 feet away. And along that barbed wire fence are these two huge air-covered creatures walking upright, moving slowly in their direction. Very typical, like a typical Bigfoot report, these things are covered with a long, dark, uh, I believe, kind of grayish uh, 
brownish hair, and the arms are so long, they're down past the knees, almost to the ground. They have no neck. They have large, luminous green eyes, about as big as a 50-cent piece, and they're making this whiny, crying voice. And the young one young boy is so frightened, he ran out of the field. Not the other boy too. starts yelling at the adult, shoot at him, shoot him. He takes his first shot. His first shot was a tracer. He fired over their head. There was no response. But when he fired that second tracer, the largest of the two creatures, the one in front was the biggest, it's about eight feet tall. The one behind it's about seven feet tall. They're slowly moving along the fence line. When he fires that second tracer, the largest creature makes a loud crying, whining noise, reaches out and says, grab that tracer. And when he does that, that huge glowing object in the field vanishes in the storm. It doesn't take off, it just disappears. Once the luminosity is gone, the sound stops, the creatures turn around so I start walking back along the fence line towards the woods. At that point, he's using live ammo from his 30 to firing into these creatures with no effect on it whatsoever. They run back to their truck, go back to the farmhouse, pull the family what happened, go to the neighbors, call the state police. Short part of the story is, trooper arrives 45 minutes later, they go up in the police car, they're looking for evidence, and the trooper told me when he got on the scene, the area where the object was on the ground was self-luminescent glowing, about 100 feet or more in diameter. He said he shined his flashlight beam into it, he could barely see it. He said he noticed the farm animals stayed away from the area, and he told me, he said, if I had a newspaper, I'm pretty certain I could read the newspaper from the light coming off the glow. I was told that they uh, went back to the state police barracks, but the trooper and the witness were taken to two separate rooms. They were separately interviewed, then they called me to set up my team. That's the short part of the story. They got even stranger and stranger, don't have time to get into it. But that was the case of my numerous other ones that indicated we're dealing with something that's much, much stranger than an unknown animal. And then if you want to hear about the case that convinced me that we're dealing with a creature that is not flesh and blood, for a lack of a better term, I'll call it interdimensional. And I've seen a lot more of this now in cases even in recent years, with not only Bigfoot, but with other cryptids as well. I'll be glad to tell you the story. Good, good, do it. Tell us. Okay, so this was the case, uh, this was way up in the mountains, uh, up in the, not far from Ohio Pile, in that general area. So here's, here's the woman, it's February 6, 1974. This woman lived in the woods all her life, she had a nice little cabin home. She knew the animals well. She was a good shot. And um, anyhow, she's sitting in her home that evening. I, I should tell you a little more history, because some of your uh, listeners will probably remember this time period. There was a there was a big national trucker strike going on at the time. And excuse me, it was gas rationing. So a lot of people remember it was gas rationing. I couldn't get up to the scene the next morning because I couldn't get gas here in Greensburg. Anyhow. Because of what was happening and the violence on the highways around the country, the state police and the National Guard of Pennsylvania were patrolling together. So you had some members of both units that responded to this incident. Anyhow, the woman sitting there as normal that evening watching TV, she hears this commotion on her little front porch. She had some empty soda cans out there, some empty pop cans. Then it was knocking the pop cans around. So I think it was two or three weeks before that a pack of wild dogs had come through, and she thought, I bet those dogs are back again. I'll just grab my 16-gauge double-barrel shotgun, and I'll load one chamber, and I'll shoot over the head, and I'll scare those dogs away, which is what she attempted to do. So 
she loads her shotgun and she starts walking up to the front door. She opens the door, turns on the switch so the front light steps out, but there's no dog. Six feet in front of her is a seven foot tall, huge, hairy, big foot type creature. As soon as the lights went on, it raised its arm straight up over its head. Oh, wow. What did she do? She pulled the trigger and fired right into it. She said there's this bright flash of light, like a flash on a camera, and that creature vanished and disappeared right in front of her. She's pretty brave, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. But what happened was her in-laws lived 100 feet away. They heard the gunshot. They called her out what she was shooting at. So her son-in-law grabs his sidearm, starts walking down that dark road, and at some point, he, he reportedly saw four or five hairy people with eyes like coals of fire starting shooting at him randomly. And it wasn't, it was around that time that they saw this large, glowing, luminous object. It sounds like a big Christmas ornament hovering over the trees at the same time. That's when they called the state police for help. And um, so anyhow, like I said, I couldn't get up to the scene the next morning. But I talked to the primary investigator, and he said, he said, he believed the witnesses were very honest. They were very shaken. They were very emotional. And he said, something very strange happened up there. That he based on the reaction of the animals on the scene. And I think I've mentioned that earlier, and there are many, many cases where the animals, especially even the most vicious dogs, when they're in close proximity of these creatures, they generally don't bark, they don't move, they shake, they cower. Sometimes they don't eat right for two or three days later. Mm. That's very common. He told me when he got to the scene, the dogs would not bark. They had several big dogs, but other animals, the dogs would not move. They would make a sound. I remember telling me one of the dogs was in a cage. I think it was Ed was fit. And he tried to force that get the dog out. The dog wouldn't move. The dog should have bit his arm off. The dog wouldn't make a sound or move. The next morning when I got on the scene with my team, all the dogs were barking like normal. That was the case, of, excuse me, among others, that convinced me we're dealing with something that has a physical and a non-physical component to it, which is why there's no body for lack of a better term, I'll call it interdimensional. And if you look at the similarity between what certain types of UFOs do, how they change form, how they suddenly appear and disappear, there's similarities between that phenomena and some of the big encrypted cases as well. Yeah, so it sounds like interdimensional. And I think there's a lot of it happening all over the place. Like I was driving down in Westmoreland County and uh, it was just yesterday, the sky was beautifully, beautiful, clear, no clouds. There was, it was beautiful, bright blue. I saw this silver object in the sky, pretty big. And then it disappeared. Like, where did it go? There was no clouds. So explain to me that one, Stan. you something there's been a lot of reports lately on even tucker carlson had it on um mentioning the project blue bee that the government or somebody some site bops is doing this to put this fake um ufo invasion to try to control us or make us rely more on the government to help us like oh we'll protect you from this whatever's going on 
What do you think about Project Blue Book? Uh, are you talking about Project Blue Book now? I mean, Project Blue Beam, excuse me. Yes, it is a life-changing experience. I mean, I've seen some things happening in the woods up here. Um, when we, when I first moved up to this area, um, way back before there was a lot of home developments and the sky was open and there was a lot of woods. I mean, I've seen some stuff in the sky that I, one of them, I'm not kidding you. It wasn't that long ago. It just, I swear my dog noticed it too. It just came out of nowhere. It came, it looked like it was coming right up to me in the sky, but then it stopped and disappeared. And there was a woman in um, Murraysville, Pennsylvania, that it said that there's a lot of shape-shifting crafts that would shape or morph into, um, it looks like a helicopter and all of a sudden it changes and it disappears. And they're usually by some kind of a mineral, like a, like a coal mine, or this was near an, an abandoned coal mine. And I don't know what they would be using coal for because if they're advanced, you know, technology, why would they need coal? Um, so it's kind of bizarre to me. Like, why would they even go around trying to get some kind of a natural resource when they're so advanced? Why would they even need that? Well, I, I can tell you, one, there have been reports of sightings for years all around Murraysville and Trapper and Export, all through the Delmont, a lot of reports of three yeah. years, all kind of activity. The pattern I found many years ago, and it's continuing to show up, is that many low-level, close-range UFO encounters, and many encounters with Bigfoot and other cryptids. So when we use the term cryptids, we're talking about creatures such as Bigfoot, which the public and people report seeing, but which science has never confirmed existing. They commonly occur in the vicinity of high-energy sources. So you have many sightings around high-tension power lines and power plants and radio towers, cell phone towers, gas wells, gas lines, bodies of water, railroad tracks, that go on and on and on. That's very, very common. Now, I can tell you this. Uh, back in the 70s, when all these sightings were going on, if we had a Bigfoot sighting around a cave or a mine, in some cases, we went into those caves or mines, and we, we saw no evidence that these things were staying in there, that they had got in there temporarily, but we never found any evidence they were staying in there. And um, I don't think that's the case. No. I, I think we're dealing with something that I don't understand. I don't think anybody understands that these things, under certain conditions, they come in and out of our physical reality. They can leave evidence and they're gone. I, st I, I agree with you. I think they're trying to make themselves present now and visible for some reason, more so than ever. But then it gets me to the point where maybe, how do I know these are legit they're not cgi or like i said before 
blue beam? How do we know it's not some kind of a like a computer generated image and not a, the real thing? Like, how do you know? We, and, do, and again, we may be doing more than one thing, but I can tell you there is various types of sometimes physical effects being reported, different types of electromagnetic effects being reported. There's been a lot of cases more and more in recent years. And I can give you some examples of both with UFOs and even with cryptids where people have good quality equipment, good uh, phone cameras, uh, night vision equipment, other type of equipment that's fully charged and everything's working properly. And when they go to try to take a picture, the camera fails, it, it malfunctions, or the batteries completely lose all their, uh, their current, all their power instantly. That's been important more and more. I'll give you just one example of how many I can give you. I thought this was oh, six, seven years ago. I can't remember exactly now. This was up towards Donegal. Beautiful, beautiful morning. This fellow was sitting by his window with his dog. was laying on the carpet next to him. He's sitting there drinking coffee. It was a beautiful morning. Suddenly, it gets jet blackout. Just like a terrible storm. And he's like, what is going on here? He grabs his fully charged telephone. And he calls his dog, but his dog, which goes with him everywhere, refuses to move and would not go outside. The guy walks out to his driveway on his property, and about 500 feet above him is this huge, solid, black, silent, triangular object that's hovering there. That would be thing, crazy. He grabs his phone to take a picture Definitely. of it. Battery is completely drained of power. And there was other EM effects on the property as well. That's just one example. That's, a, that's something... <laughs> Well, I know there's a lot of people who have seen um, these um, lights in the sky. They feel sick afterwards. Like I know a family and they run a metal recycling in Jeanette, PA, Greatville. Mm -hmm. And they seen something in the sky. The whole family was ill the next day, like felt like they were drained. They didn't feel good. They slept a lot. Yeah, I, I did believe that was one of my first cases. This is a while ago, but I just talked to the woman not too long ago. Um, she reported it to MUFON, and they didn't do anything. They just kind of blew her off. So um, I'll, I can try to contact her to see if she'll be interested in talking to you. Okay. Wouldn't there hurt. There are incidents around Jeanette, Rayfield, that whole area along Rotobar Road where a lot of the incidents were mm -hmm. happening, especially in 73, but many since then. Um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of stuff. So much of this stuff is going on, but the public doesn't hear it because 99.9% .9 of the people see things don't want any publicity. Yeah. And, and I get calls from people all walks of life. I mean, you know, engineers, scientists, school teachers, police officers, pilots, and all kind of people I've interviewed over the years, and they want no publicity. But what's so interesting when I interview all these people is that a lot of them would give me very similar details. And what's really fascinating, 
exactly. I'm not sure. I know it's, I mean, it's, it's so common now to hear about it on the news. It's all they're talking about. Um, UFOs in the sky, you know, what are these objects? You know, is it, is it real? Are they, are they uh, Russian, Chinese? I mean, are they alien? Um, but you know, the, the, the alien tech, first of all, an alien technology, like what's going on, would not let themselves be shot down. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and I think as I recall, one of the power reports, I think was probably the incident happened February 12th over uh, Lake Huron, uh, Michigan, that they report like strings hanging down from whatever the object was. And I don't think any advanced intelligence would have strings on their vehicle wherever they no, come No, no. And most of these are just wind, you know, guided. So, but then the ones that the, uh, the military did see, um, the TikTok, the Tic Tacs that were, they were not, they were real. I mean, but. And that's, and those are similar to many of the sightings we've had in Pennsylvania for years and years, but a lot of people call more cigar shaped type things or more elongated objects. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we've had many, many cases. There have been so many reports in the greater Pittsburgh area for years and years that most people don't even know about. Yeah. Well, I can give you a couple examples if you want. Sure. Go ahead. And so I'll, I'll go back to the years, uh, August of 1986, 8.30 in the morning, people report this large cigar-shaped object with a silver surface hovering over some trees behind the Monroeville Mall. As they're watching it, it moves towards the mall and hovers about 200 feet over the roof of the mall. It was moving over different sections of different uh, businesses in that area, including over the air conditioning unit. The object made no sound. They said it was about the size of three school buses in length. And one witness said it was so bright it hurt her eyes to look at it. Uh, May of 1989, Squirrel Hill, suburb of Pittsburgh, around 3 o'clock in the morning. Two people come out of a restaurant. They're riding down the street at the intersection of Beacon and Whitman. They see this. What they thought at first was a big blimp, but they realized the cylindrical object had no gondola. It was more elongated than a blimp. It was completely all luminous, bright white. There were lights on in different areas. It was completely silent. It's hovering there. They can see like instantations in the surface of it. It hovered there for several minutes, and um, then after about three or four minutes, it just suddenly vanished. And they actually made the police report on it. Um, let me think of another one. 1995, early morning hours, people reported an object over the Homestead High Level Bridge. That it was larger than a blimp, covered with hundreds of white colors or eye, kind of a purple, blue, and pinkish red. It hovered over the bridge for a minute and ascended to the sky at a high rate of speed out of sight. That's just an example of just a few of the reports. Yeah. It's a lot of different ones. Do you want to say something, Sean? Did you have a question? Um, I'm just fascinated, Jen. Every time he comes on, I learn more. So the only thing I'm going to have to do when it gets warmer since I retired uh, from ghost hunting is to start going out and up that that way chestnut hill and other places mm -hmm. and sit out in the i'm being honest with you when i say this and just sit out there and see what the hell is out there yeah um um stan did you uh get a chance to watch the missing 411 hunted the last part of the show when um the woman who was married to a what was he's he a, he's a farmer no, he wasn't he a, a farmer. farmer? He, he, no, he was the real smart man. His wife was hunting in the trees. Oh, I know and who you're talking about. She's yeah. when we were you were talking about interdimensional beings. 
she saw this um, weird shape. Uh, the uh, trees, tra yeah, the trees transformed into so almost like a. I can't even describe what they said. The it's trees called cloaking, Jen. Cloaking. Yeah. Did you happen to see that? No, go right ahead. Go right ahead, Stan.
Think, Sean. Well, how do you um, know some of these people aren't just nuts? <laughs> okay. You know, you have to interview so many thousands of people and you see the pattern and you get the little details and you see the emotion. I mean, in the last six, seven years, I, I was doing live interviews with, with uh, face-to-face, I should say, with uh, some hunters and outdoorsmen. Some of these guys have been outdoors for years and they have tears coming out of their eyes. You can see the emotion in them, how they love the woods, how they lived in the woods all their life, and now they're afraid to go out in the woods anymore after what they saw. I mean, you can tell when you interview so many people, the little details, when you question them, uh, the, the location, the similarities, the patterns. Yeah, you can generally tell if somebody's putting you on or not. And so many of these people I've got to meet, and some people have got to know, some of them very well over many, many years, some of their families. And you just know that something happened to them that they were affected by. Mm, yeah. I hear um, you. I'm not trying to be disrespectful for, to people who have seen these things, but there are some that are not all there. I mean, you have to admit there are some people who can make well, us. Our, there's a, a, my friend Anthony's in the, in the uh, comment section. And Anthony in the comment section. Um, I had him on my show into the night with Sean Kelly, and uh, he uh, has the paranormal group. I correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony. The Texas Wraith Investigators, Paranormal Investigators, and what he's talking about what's happening in the forest is similar to what is happening to some people who are witnessing UFOs and Bigfoots and stuff like that here in Pennsylvania. The Texas Wraith Hunters is what they're called. Yeah, and it's going on all over the country. And it's not just my research. I've been touching many other researchers out there. Uh, you have people like uh, Nick Redburn. Uh, you have David Pilates has had cases reported. You have many, many others. I've been in touch with around the country for years are having these reports back. I can't remember. Maybe 10, 11 years ago, I gave a lecture out in uh, Oregon on this type of reports. And that's an area that's very, very thick with lore of Bigfoot. And I wasn't sure how they would respond when I gave a lecture on this. And I was amazed. I had a very, very pleasant response. A lot of the researchers and others contacted me afterwards and said, we're so glad you talked about this. They said, this is what's going on out here for years. We have the tracks that vanish. We have the balls of light. We have the UFO Bigfoot connection. This has been going on for years and years. And one thing I found back in the 70s when I started writing about these cases, I was in touch with a lot of the well-known names in the Bigfoot field in the United States and around the, and around the world. And I talked to a lot of these people about it, and they were aware of it. They were getting reports, but many of them told me that they were not going to write about it. They were not going to get involved, and they didn't even want to be laughed at by their fellow researchers. So they were just not going to talk about it. My position was I didn't have the answers. The 
Hmm. There you go. It's just fascinating and it's interesting. Um, okay, Stan, real quick. So I retired from postal, uh, postal, from paranormal hunt investigating. And um, if I wanted to go out, you know, to see about UFOs, Bigfoot, whatever, any cryptids, is there things that I need to take with me to protect myself? Or is there any kind of equipment that I would have to use just in case I want to do it? And maybe some of our listeners who would want to go out and do it? Well, you know, it, there's a lot involved. It, it was lucky that I had the, the kind of research specialist I had in my group for years because um, we had all, again, we had all kinds of scientists, engineers, and we did training programs. We, you know, we learned how to make casting. We learned how to gather samples. We learned how to work the equipment. Some of my guys were actually trained by the Civil Defense to be radiological monitors during the, the 60s, late 60s. Uh, uh, was that time period, but it was 1970 that uh, we started the first group. A lot of them guys were trained to use radiation equipment properly. And, and again, it, it varies. But, I mean, it's, it's good to have, uh, you know, sampling equipment. Uh, we had some labs back in, over the years that uh, did analysis for us where we brought any type of unusual samples, which on a rare basis that may have turned up. And uh, so, again, it, it's good to learn what you can about animals, tracking, uh, how to gather samples. If you get something uh, interesting, make sure you get the sample done, uh, prepared and, and properly stored. There's just a lot to know about it. And, yeah, we take out very type equipment. We have radiation survey meters. We have uh, electro-EM uh, uh, equipment uh, detectors, uh, check electromagnetic fields, magnetic fields in the area. So there's a lot of different things you can do. If you were involved in, in ghost hunting or whatever, you know, some of those fellows had some equipment too, but there's some equipment that's a little better than others. So you need to do some research and learn how to use the equipment properly. Okay. That's good. Good talk. <clears throat> maybe maybe me and Jen will go out there. We'll bring we'll bring Ava with us so she can scare the uh, cryptids. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then we'll go out and look for a Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, I don't know about Ava. She's uh she'd probably be scared and hide. So, <laughs> but we're gonna take a real quick break. Um, I mentioned Carnation. Thank you, Carnation, for sponsoring the second hour of Jason Prophecy Radio on FM 105.3 and 107.7 in New Orleans, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. There's so many things we could talk about tonight. So many things um, that's happening out there. Um, I personally do not want to come in contact with any of these cryptic creatures or orbs i mean i i had it like i had an experience oh my god a long time ago with a green type of light so going outside at night especially in the summer is kind of you know i don't know if you want to do that now unless you have some protection because especially with the parks camping and everything i don't i don't think i want to go to a national ah. national park anymore Michael called it right there, and he's true, and he's right. If you if you're chosen, it will happen. I truly believe that a hundred percent. 
Well, how do you know? You mean, if you see something. Yeah, Michael, how do you know if you're, I mean, can you explain to Jenny what you mean by that? But I, I know what you're talking about, Michael. I mean, if I, I've seen a lot of things outside at night. I've seen things in my house. I've seen a lot of things that I can't explain, but how do you know? It's just not a figment of your imagination. I mean, I can see in the sky. I can, I can see things. I mean, uh, he says you, you will know. <laughs> you will know. What do you think, uh, Stan? What What do you think? Well, it's something I've, I've looked into over the years, and we just don't have a lot of, enough data on it. But one thing I found years and years ago, things are showing up, is that is it possible that certain people have certain abilities that they're able to perceive and experience things that not everybody else can, that they're able to perceive it? And I'll give you an example. I remember years ago, um, there was an incident where there was a group of people outside and only a couple people could see this large object covering nearby and the other people couldn't see it. So do certain people have certain abilities, they're able to perceive these things, or could it be that the phenomena itself is attracted to some people that have certain abilities? Hmm. I, I agree with you 100%, Stan. I mean... All I noticed when I had that um, near-death experience where I died, whatever you all want to call it, um, it just seems like when I came back, my um, my sense my senses became more heightened. Do you know what I mean? Um, started to see things, hear things, and feel things that weren't there. So I, I truly believe that, and I truly believe what Michael has to say, too, on it. go <clears throat> Sean you're back yeah yeah I got a call from the producer <laughs> uh, did you hear did you hear what he said no I didn't go ahead sorry that's okay yeah I, I'm I'm starting to think that some of these people I mean I, I believe what's going on is happening problem I have is I don't trust our government or the military and I don't know if they're making these things up and that's my problem well, see, here's my what's going on, what I'm thinking right now. 
all of a sudden you have all that crap going on in the government with Biden and all that crap going on there. And then you had that trade development over in East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah. Okay. And what did they do? They called it a control uh, fire, whatever it was, to release those toxic gases out. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, that happened, right? And so I think by throwing all this UFO crap out there in, in, in the media, it's like deflecting off. Yeah, it's brain. deflecting. It's like, you know, what do you call that when they do that on purpose? I call it deflecting. And look at all the other stuff. I find, I I mean, come on, a control explosion. I mean, control. And that was a very, that point, it was poison. Yeah. It was poison. It's deadly on contact. Look at all the animals that have died. And they didn't have, and they didn't have any of that on the, no one was reporting it. And all the reporting is these UFOs. They were trying to get our distract. They were distracting us. So we didn't talk about it. The news did not respond at all and that's big i mean that's the water was contaminated they were evacuated that was 100 miles from the place yeah it's it's very close to the uh, pittsburgh uh yeah beaver county County. it's very close to beaver county it's scary i mean i don't know who we can trust there's just so much crap going on right now that um i some of the stuff I think I honestly believe they just blew up. They just fired up balloons, man. That's it. They did. Yeah, that's it. You know, here's, I mean, the way I, here's the way I look at it, right? So the first one they saw it done. All right, China knows where in the hell our bases are at. They know how many people we got. You know what I mean? They uh-huh. know it all. Okay, they know it all. And the sent no, it, it's just a distraction. I, I don't know. stands quiet. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, Michael Anthony said, it's all connected somehow. But Stan, it was really great having you on the show tonight. We'll have you on and report back to us if you have any other. Yes, Stan, thank any you. Any reporting to do. Okay, well, listen, if your listeners are interested, they go to my website. It's stangordon.info, I-N-F-O. Uh, they can keep up with some of the activities. A really detailed report about a lot of what we we're talking about on the show tonight. And also, I have a lot of uh, events and different conferences I'll be speaking at this year all through Pennsylvania and other areas. They can go there and look under upcoming events. And uh, let me think what else. Anyhow, my phone number is on there. If they want to reach me, it's 724-838-7768. Or email all this on my website, too. It's paufo at comcast.net. And my books are all available on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. The latest book out is called Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania. And there's a lot of very, very strange incidents all over our area, around the Pittsburgh area. Well, there you have it, folks. Well, thanks again for joining us, Stan. You have a great Thank night. You. Thank Perhaps you, Stan. Have a great you too. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, there's always something to talk about when he comes on the show. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoy what he tells us about his research, about his clients that he has worked with, you know, and um, I'm impressed with him. Yeah, I am too. I'm going to play a what, Go ahead. 
But what bothers me a little bit is that most of the cases were back in the 70s, okay? And that was a wee one back then, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how come none of that good stuff that happened back in the 70s is not happening right now? Well, what about in the 50s when they um, the alien ships flew over the White House? I mean, come on. We've been talking about this stuff forever. It seems like, I think, personally, I think it's a fake alien invasion. Sorry. They want to no, they want to do this to control us for the new world order. I mean, they're doing something and I don't like it. And I wish my microphone would stay in one place instead of playing around. It keeps going up and down and I don't like it. So I'm going to play a little TikTok video. Uh, I don't recommend using TikTok, but I use it sometimes to gather some information because it seems like you can't find any of this stuff hardly at all on YouTube. So um, TikTok is a place to go where they don't seem to monitor it so much, but I'm going to try to find it. So give me a Hey, my, Michael, what's China's pink house? What? Yeah, China's pink house. Michael's smart dude, man. I mean that. I mean we were talking. I I don't I don't know. That that was pretty interesting there. Why do you Why do you think the government doesn't want to allow it, Jen? What do you say? Like our White House, very very much the same, and they had the same experience. Oh, okay. All right, the pink house is just like what happened at our White House with the UFOs falling over, you know, flying over them. What did he say? Sean, I didn't uh, hear him. What did you say? Uh, he's referring to tick tacks. I, I don't know. Looks um, like the I, hopefully we can get him on our show. Yeah, it would be great. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play this. Give me a second. So it looks like we're about to see the start of the next PSYOP, guys. Do not be fooled. Do not be fooled by all the reports that you're seeing of alien sightings, UFO sightings, jets being scrambled. This is all another PSYOP. It's another part of the movie that they're showing us in order to shoehorn us into doing things that we wouldn't normally want to do. So governments can play the saviour in this fake alien invasion but in order for them to do that there will have to be more restrictions on our freedoms probably a digital currency and a social credit score as well they're getting desperate now and they're using all kinds of tactics i totally Project agree blue Beam, go <laughs> yeah. and research it this has been known for many years from alternative researchers that they're going to do this so don't be fooled by all the ufo bs that you're going to see in the next few months I, I totally agree with that. And I also have I have this um to listen to because it's uh it's just as bad. <laughs> it was when they actually they had the press conference with the Pentagon during the Super Bowl, which blew my mind. That kind of blew my mind. Did they really? Yeah, which was stupid. Um because no one watched it. Uh probably don't have it anymore well i think i shared it i think i shared it in our um our chat yeah we did yeah i don't buy a lot of this stuff i'm seeing i just don't just don't 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 do it don't buy it i don't, I, I don't know you okay there jen 
You all right, buddy? Huh? You okay? You're just like going out there. You being possessed by uh, aliens or something like that. What are you that. talking about? I'm looking You're for just... stuff on the... Can you uh, hear me what or you're... what? Yeah, yeah. I can hear just like... I'm searching on our Facebook stuff. Oh, I sent okay. you the link. What did you think I was doing? So everybody out there who is listening to the show or who's in the chat room, what did you think of our guest, Stan Gordon? Um, I would like to hear your opinions. That would be great. Me and Jenny would. Um, Michael says, uh, I kind of like being the third wheel here. <laughs> That's okay, Mike. We need you to come on the show, pal. You know, that would be cool. You know, and just hear your kind your stuff. Um, so it's just like, I, I just think this is Project Bluebeam over and over and over again um it, it's just too scary you know and for me i just i just came to the conclusion with all this crap that's happening out there in the world right now okay um whatever's going to happen is going to happen and i have no control over it you know so if the world ends tomorrow then it ends tomorrow. I don't know. That, and that's how I feel. I can't I can't dwell on something like this because all it will do is give me ulcers. It would give me headaches and migraines. I yeah. can't deal with it. I'm going to go ahead and play this, okay? Yeah. All right. Let me just make sure it shares it. You can see that all right? Yeah, okay. it's a balloon. That is what everyone is asking us right now. Oops. It's a balloon. No, it's not a boy. Thanks, Pat, that? and thanks for doing this. This yeah. is Dr. General Van Herc. Uh, because you still haven't been able to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out of the sky, uh, that raises the question, um, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? And if so, why? Because that is what everyone is asking us right now. And it stopped. <laughs> why? It's, I, I, it's the government, Jen. They're listening in on our show, and <laughs> it happens, and you know it happens. It's happened many a it's, times. Whenever we doing? get, whenever we talk sensitive stuff, everybody, you know, we either lose connection or else there's a lot of static on our computers, you know, that won't allow us to continue to talk yeah. about what we're talking about. You know that, Jenny. Thanks for the question, Helena. I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything uh, at this point. We continue to assess uh, every threat, he has uh, potential threat, unknown that approaches North America uh, with an attempt to identify it. See, hi. hi. Thanks, Pat, and thanks for doing this. This is for General Van Herc. Uh, because you still haven't been able to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out of the sky, uh, that raises the question, um, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? And if so, why? Because that is what everyone is asking us right now. Yeah, thanks for the question, Helena. I'll, I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything. Uh, at this point, we continue to assess uh, every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches North America uh, with an attempt to identify it. 
So he hasn't rolled Hi, it out. Thanks, Pat. And thanks for doing this. This is for General Van Hurt. Oh, they didn't roll it out. Uh, because you still haven't been able no. to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out. out of the sky, uh, that raises the question. Um, so he they haven't rolled it out. And it won't shut up now. What is your opinion, Jen? Your honest to God, downright, heartfelt opinion. Lately, I in the beginning, I thought that, you know, we've been watching the TikToks and all these uh, reports and all this stuff that came out. I thought, wow, this is great. Finally, it's going to come out. But then when I see that it's all correlated around things that they're trying to distract us from, I don't trust the government. I don't trust Biden. I don't trust anybody. And I personally don't think it's anything but just things that we never noticed before because Trump said he saw, I mean, well, Trump didn't even know that there was like three balloons when he was, when he was in office. So I think it's just a false flag. I don't think it's true. I think it's all a bunch of BS. So that's what I think. Unfortunately, um, we're living in a time right now where they're trying to make a, a one, what do you call it? One, uh, one new world order. So they got two more years to do it because you know DeSantis or Trump will get in and it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's aliens. And if it was, it'd be great. I mean, I would, I mean, I would like to welcome. I mean, you know, we've had so many different people that were on the show, like Travis Walt last week about being abducted, and um, but they come in peace and. First of all, like I said, no alien craft is going to be shot down. They are too far advanced to be shot down. They would shoot us down first. Yeah. So, and then I, then did you know that the one missile missed the thing in the sky? Yeah. <laughs> it missed it. So that goes to show you what kind of, you know, it's probably, it's probably just could be just China or Russia. We don't know. And what did the psychic said? He said we were getting into war with, I forget, was it Russia or China? So in China, they're buying up all our technology, which, I mean, our, our farmland and they're buying all the land and they're, you know, why are we letting them buy the land, which is beyond me? Why are we letting them buy our farmland, Sean? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean. America, they should stop. They should stop that right now. They should stop that somehow. Congress should do something. They should not be buying up any more of our farmyard. Did, did you see the movie Red Dawn? Did anybody out there see the movie Red Dawn? Yes, I did. And I they said they could never. How do you know it can never happen? Because if they have, if they have our land, they can come here. They can build some kind of underground thing, base or something. We don't know. I don't trust the Chinese. I don't trust them at all. When they want, I mean, everything, all our products are made. I bet everything I have in my office here in my studio is made in China. Probably nothing is made in the United States. Nothing. Michael says it's uh, uh, it's to create confusion. Yeah, I think you're right because, and then, you know, a lot of people are saying they're coming out. They could be something to cover up uh, what Pfizer did. Um and about how all these people who got the vaccine are not normal anymore. They're sick. Their spike proteins are so high. And they're trying to, to distract us from that because they're going to be in trouble. I mean, for what they did. You know, they, well, see, that's another they genocide. Thing about, I mean, come on. Right. Now, look, they had that, uh, 
the house meeting talking to those dudes from uh was it twitter mm -hmm. i don't know if you saw any of that no i didn't know uh what's her name the blonde she was shadow banned where they took off oh uh, yeah account. yeah and, and well she was a little outrageous though but you have to say that <laughs> but no no but they they were like uh checking out what the doctors are wanting to say about the virus or oh yeah they can't that's that's that that should never happen they should have let all the doctors speak they should never just but it, it, but it never happened so all of a sudden they're having this big house meeting right you know and then all of a sudden we got ufos up in the sky uh -huh, exactly we, so everybody saw that tape with uh the, the the ceo pfizer and he would the one guy was undercover for uh i cannot remember anything i'm gonna have to start taking notes i think it's my senior moments i'm having more and more of them um that they were undercover they pretend he was he was looking for they were on a like he was a, like a like a dating thing and he was he got the guy from pfizer to open up to him Pfizer the guy from pfizer was a total idiot and he just totally blew everything up so yeah i mean I don't trust any of this. And that's funny. Like the one, uh, something was oh, like, wait, Michael says project Veritas. Yes. What project Veritas. Thank and you. He got fired for that. Yeah. He did get fired. <laughs> Good. I didn't even know that. Our own government knows exactly what it's doing to us just for power and control. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, I mean, this, the last, the lockdown was ridiculous. It was all about power. And we can't never let it happen again. And they're trying to do it now. Like, this is their old oh, trust the government. I'm going to save you from the aliens. They're going to have a project blue beam. And they're going to have all these, uh, oh, everybody's going to be outside. Just like at the end of the, the if you saw the end of the Super Bowl and they did, it was kind of strange. We're having all these UFOs. And then at the end of the Super Bowl, they had the commercial for the UFOs. Did you guys see that? Did you see that, Sean? No, no I didn't. Oh, wow. You know, it's just kind of funny. It's like at the end of the Super Bowl and it's, that's exactly what's coming on the airways. Michael says just, they can control the Q factor to keep us complacent. Yeah. They no, want you to think something major is going to happen. So they hold us down in place. Yeah. Because they want you to trust them. Oh, look, we'll, we'll help you. We'll protect you from these bad but guys. But then again, look at this is the 21st century and they've been doing this bullshit for the last 20, 30 years, Jenny, and people don't. It hasn't never do. been at this this bad. It has never been this bad that I recall. Now, come on. We left. We lived through a pandemic. We lived through lockdowns, government telling us what we can do, telling us we have to get an injection if we want to keep our job. How many people lost their jobs? How many pregnancies were aborted? How many, how many people died of blood clots from this stupid vaccine that they tried to uh, cover up all the statistics, all the reports on VARS? You know, no, no, no. The government is not your friend. Sorry. And if you're going to trust them from an alien invasion, I'd rather have the aliens come down and abduct me and take me to their planet. Okay. And if it's all fake, it's all they're fake because I'm telling you, the aliens are already here and half of them are made biologically from the governments using cloning and hibernation and all that stuff. You don't know what's out there. And all these creatures you see are probably them messing around with the genome code. You know, they're probably making these things. I don't okay. trust them. I don't trust him. It's like you can't trust the government. And we're in 1984.
If you have to go back, go watch Red Dawn again. Watch all these movies. Watch The Island of Dr. Moreau. I mean, come that on. That was a good movie. They already know how to clone, and they've already probably done it. You know, they Biden probably has a clone sitting in the White House somewhere. And he does have one. <laughs> He does have an AI. Yes. And half half the time these AIs think they're humans. They're probably walking around. They have they think they have a conscience. And they're or these they've already have this alien made. They already made the alien. It's already made in their lab somewhere under probably area 51 for our we all we know. And they're gonna have this alien present itself at some point. And it's not even a real alien. They made it in the lab. Look at what Fauci did. You know what I'm saying? He's probably already made in a lab. They're going to come out with this alien. Like, what's his name? Val Thor. <laughs> you and that Val Thor dude. Val Thor is going to come knocking on the door and said, yes, we've come back. We want we'd have peace. We want us to be united. I feel sorry for the young people in, our, in today's world. You know? We, we, I mean, come on, Jen. Throw them enough. How much shit did we get into and we're still alive? You know what I mean? And we're still alive. Yeah. Where you can't even, you know, lift a finger without, you know, breaking a nail and crying and, oh, you're not allowed to do that. So we're going to blame that wood because you broke your fingernail on it. And mm -hmm. oh, we're just going to have to go through and give you a pity party, buy you crayons and coloring books and all that good crap. Yeah. That's true. Well, you got you got my you got my uh, Irish going here, honey, and it's not St. Patrick's Day yet. Yeah. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk about before we go on to uh, our next segment. Um, what is our next segment? <laughs> I wanted what to hear what the, uh, the pilot said about. Did you, did oh you yeah. Happen to watch that? Yeah. It was on you're, CNN. Yeah, I saw it. see that one? Yes, you're breaking up, Jen. You can't hear me? They're, you're breaking. That's weird. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird. You're, you're really breaking up. That's what I was trying to find something for you so you could hear what these pilots said on... Um, I just want to show this real quick. I'm going to share my screen. That's probably because I was trying to uh, play this TikTok. I'm not TikTok, YouTube. I'm having brain freezes, buddy. I'm going to take my gink up a lobo. Can you see that screen yet? Yeah, I see it. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and play it. It's that other pilot saying that when they looked at the object, they could identify no identifiable, identifiable propulsion system, and they did not know how it was actually staying in the air, cruising at that altitude of about 40,000 feet. So this is all added to the Pentagon's wariness of describing in more detail what this object actually is until they can get more information uh, through the debris that they are recovering right now. And what do we know about the efforts to recover uh, the wreckage of this second object? It looks like NORAD just put out an email a short time ago 
and it sounds like they're trying to recover it. They did. And what we were told yesterday is that the object was shot down over frozen water. So it landed on the ice, essentially. We don't know what kind of condition it's in, whether it is intact, for example. But recovery efforts have been launched. And according to the Defense Department, they have been able to recover a significant amount of debris. Now, notably, they still don't know what this object is, where it came from, or even uh, what direction it was headed in or wh what direction it came from. It is just all very murky at this point. But they do say that the FBI is going to be taking the lead on analyzing the debris. If that sounds familiar, it's because just last week we saw that another uh, Chinese spy balloon, another, uh, I should say, a Chinese spy balloon, because we don't know what this one actually is, right. was shot down, also being analyzed by the FBI. But right now, there are just so many more questions than answers, Jim. Yeah, and as the hours go on, uh, it gets more and more mysterious. All right, Natasha. The one, the one they shot down in Canada, it was kind of strange because they had it they showed a picture of it, and I sent it to you, that was on Fox News. It was a cylinder one that they were talking yeah. about, that, and then that you don't see it anymore. They they only showed it the one time, and it did not look like any balloon I ever saw. So, but I don't know. You get like I don't know. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't know. But is it fake? Maybe. Is it all made up? Maybe. I don't know. It's kind of weird. What does Jay? What does Anthony what? say? Yeah, it wasn't. He said Michael says it wasn't. Okay, it I wasn't trust, what I, I trust Michael. It wasn't what fake. What Michael? It didn't deflate. Well, this one wasn't a balloon. It was metal or some kind of. It wasn't made up of. It sort of looked like the thing from Star Wars. Okay, that's when I first saw it. I go, oh, that's not no balloon. So I don't know. Makes you makes you wonder is it fake is it not fake because you get torn is it fake or is it not fake i don't know but we're going to go on to the last uh 20 minutes or so and talk about valentine's day okay my, my unfavorite unfavorite <laughs> i'm not crazy about did you uh did you read that so there's some places that are banned valentine's day yeah so, i saw that yeah, what was it? Uh, uh, Saudi Arabia bound. Saudi banned. Arabia, yeah. Commission for Promotion of Virtue and Prevention and Vice restricts the sale of roses and anything red. No, why? Why? They didn't say why. True. Why are they restricting Valentine's Day? Maybe it's part of their religion. None of these. I, I don't know. That's I mean, I love about. roses, but sometimes rose, red roses remind me of death, uh, of funerals. Um, that's why I'm not really crazy about the red rose. I like pink roses, yellow roses, white roses. I, I hate red roses. I saw, it was funny. I picked up some flowers for my mom that was nice. at my store. Yeah. And it was close to 30 bucks for like eight roses, man. I'm like, what the hell? Wow, I mean, I'm gonna pay that much because I took some to my cem the cemetery for my mom and dad. I mean, I don't know. You know what I like about Valentine's Day, especially at my job, and it's really really funny. You have all these young guys in their 20s and 30s that have girlfriends or wives, and they want to cook them a dinner, okay? And they just stand at the meat section, and they're like so confused. And <laughs> And I'm so like, they're okay. they're cooking the dinner. The husband's they're cooking the dinner, but they don't nice. know what to buy. They don't know what to buy. So I end up giving them their whole recipe. 
their whole menu for the evening. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah, I do. And then usually they do come back like a couple days later and say, thank you for that. She really enjoyed it. You know, that's it, funny. You should have your own show, The uh, Butcher with the Cookbook. <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, it, it, it's just really neat to see how they're so, and I mean, they're serious about cooking dinner for their girlfriends or their wives. And just, you know, kind of makes me feel good because, you know, my son's in Indiana and I'm 60 years old. And, you know, it's like helping out a youngster, you know, That's telling nice. them what to do. Yeah. Nice. That's I nice. know the majority of females love filet mignon, and I don't understand why. Because filet mignon, oh, it, it, it's it's ugly, it's nasty, man. I can't deal with that crap. No, I mean, it, no, it's the leanest piece of meat on the cow. No, I want some way, fat on my meat. What's that? I want some fat on my meat. There you go. That's, I, I'm going to tell our customers right now. Our customers. It's and, juicier. It's better for you. I think fat. Well, I do. The oh keto no, thing. no, fat is good. Fat is good on it. You need protein. I don't give a crap. Yeah, you, you need say. your. You need at least. Hi, Dory. You need to How get you your doing? waist. Uh, your your protein. So one of the creepy facts about Valentine's Day oh, is that no one really knows it, the origin of it, of the holiday. The most popular theory about Valentine's Day's origins origins is the Emperor Claudius II. He didn't want Rome men to marry during wartime. So Bishop Valentine went against his wishes and performed secret weddings. I guess that was how Valentine's Day started. For this, Valentine was jailed. He was jailed. Bishop Valentine was jailed and executed. Well, that's not nice. And so while in jail, he wrote a note to a jealous daughter, finding it from your Valentine. That's nice. But that's weird how the rum is what, what you couldn't get married during wartime. No, but there's a pagan thing that happens on the 15th of February, and I cannot say the word. This road's called Lupercalia, something like that. Uh, it's during the feast, women would be whipped in the belief that it would help them become fertile. Oh, there you go. Well, that's a good thing. They should probably still do that now if you're having problems. I'm sure they do. Well, there um, was one. It was on um, Vercel's, um that Philip could not conceive. Couldn't I think it was Philip or was it? Was it Louis? Which one couldn't conceive? I think it was it Louis or the other. It was I think it was Philip. He couldn't conceive, so he um, he told him to sleep with the Blessed Mother statue. Uh. Oh, come on. I don't know if it worked. Come on. But don't. Another creepy fact. <laughs> Moving on to another creepy fact about Valentine's Day that no one really knows the origins of this one either. But, however, historians know that the brutal and bloody origin was very different than the parts and chocolates that people think about Valentine's Day. And it was that's normally associated <laughs> with Valentine's Day. One theory states that Valentine's Day origin originates from the Roman feast of Luper Calia, I guess. That's what I just said, yeah. yeah. Which was from February 13th to the 15th. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, you just, you're, and then there's a the thing there's a thing too, also with that. Um, the women um, would put their names in a big hat, and guys would pull the name out. And the name that the guy pulls out, he has to be with her for a year. 
Well, didn't they do something like that at Renaissance Festival? Like they had some kind of thing, like that, going back to that. I I, I don't know because I, I I'm not really big into the Renaissance yet. All I know is that they have good turkey wings, and that's all I know. Turkey turkey legs. But so check this one. Check this creepy thing out. Uh, the irony of King Henry VIII. Um, on February 14, 1537, King Henry VIII declared Valentine's Day an official holiday. However, this brings us to the most ironic and creepy facts about Valentine's Day. King Henry VIII was famous for having many wives and then killing them when they didn't give him a son. <laughs> Come go. on. Come on. How can it be? Well, you know, it's really the man that determines whether it's a male or female. So it is usually the man should get killed. Oh, well, yeah, but... I'm just saying that's a creepy fact. But that's my show on next week. Um, yeah, no, this uh, right at at ten o'clock on into the night with Sean Kelly. I'm going to talk about the origins of Valentine's Day. Well, yeah, that, that's because it's yeah. I like the one about the Valentine Bishop, but uh, men spend 150. They said men spend about 150 dollars on candy, and women just about 74. So, I can guarantee it they spend a hell of a lot more money on Valentine's Day than 150. There's something about that little legend about a sparrow flying over the head of a woman. If, if <laughs> yeah. this is a sparrow, if a woman saw a sparrow flying overhead, she would end up marrying poor, but at the same time would be very happy. So money doesn't always buy everything. And if she saw a goldfinch overhead, she would marry a millionaire. Have you have any gold benches out there in your no, area? I'm gonna have to do some. I'm gonna have to do some bird watching. Do I have to find buy some gold benches and bring them over to your house? Yes. <laughs> yeah. See what's this other one about? But um, like first... I told you at the beginning of the show, the second one was being lonely about women mailing themselves candy and cards. And to me, yeah, that's I, very I. Well, you saw that song with Marley Cyrus. I can buy yeah. myself flowers. Right, but I can write in this. I don't need you. I can do it myself. Right, but buy do you have flowers do for women? Yourself. Do women have that attitude? No, like, they do. Wow. A lot of women have that attitude now. They don't need a man for anything. Um, people. If you go up to somebody, you go up to a woman and say, "Happy Valentine's Day." You know, your smile looks pretty. My God, they're just like on cloud nine, and I mean it. Yeah, they I are. I did it a couple times today. That's nice. Because they're walking around the store, and they're so damn depressed because they're lonely, and you just go out and say something nice, and they're smiling, and they're on cloud nine. So, Well, that was nice of you. Okay, I'm glad. Cause it's, and it's if the, the, another legend was the first, if, if an unwed woman or a single woman, the first man that she saw on Valentine's Day would become her spouse. Oh my God. That's what's one good reason to stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my dear, it's getting close to the witching hour. Yes, it is. Well, tomorrow's my first show. Yeah, I'm gonna be there. I'm and, gonna uh, watch you. In the know with Jenny and I have a pursuit I have a I'll have a co-pilot that's just going to be there to help me um, maneuver things. And she'll probably get into some topics too. So it should be fun. Um, so tomorrow is dating in 2023, how it's changed and um, some tips and 
things to avoid. And then the second half is, we talked about this before, um, this pickle, this pickles, the pickle size really matter when it comes to. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Well, you'll find out. You know what? You got to go on TikTok <laughs> and find out from the women who post the pickles. Yeah, seriously. So, okay. I'm going to thank leave everybody that. for joining us tonight. It was fun. And uh, if yes. you think you'd be a good guest uh, for um, Chasing Prophecy Radio, please give us a holler. Uh, we'd be loving to have you on the show. Members to like us on Facebook, follow us on we are we on Twitter and YouTube, I do believe, and we're on yeah. Rumble. And if you have Roku, Roku, please add us to your channel and our channel. You can listen to us. Some how, how do can you tell the people how to get to our show on Roku? You go to the search where it says search channels, and you put in uh, United Public Radio in there. It's a pink. I don't know why they chose pink instead of green that we usually use for the station. Um, pink uh, logo and just click on it, add it, and you'll see. Like we were streaming live um, tonight. I know we were. Somebody saw us on there, so we were streaming live tonight on um, Roku. Um, but there's a whole. They have a lot of old ones. They don't have a lot loaded yet, but the live shows are usually on there. So if you don't want to watch, if you want to see us big on screen, go to the two Roku. But uh, everybody have a great night. Yeah.